Fields and Sports Podcast. I'm Isaac Trotter, and, and we are eight days away from baseball. And that means I have to ta- uh, to go uh, find my baseball expert, one of my best friends. He works for 670 The Score now in Chicago, Jay Kassan. He's a big Cardinal fan, but he's really locked in and in tune with all of all of baseball. I feel like I feel like you're my baseball guy. And so it, we had to go get Jay Kassan. Jake, how are you? Doing great. Yeah, people have called me the baseball guy before. I, I feel like you're not the only one that has referred to me as their guy when baseball season rolls around. So, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I had to kind of force twist your arm to get you to let me on here. But no, I'm excited. It's, it's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, that's completely false. Uh, he was not, <laughs> like I, my arm was not twisted. I had we had this already all scheduled out. And, you know, I got to be honest, like, um, you know, in, in college, we did a baseball podcast together. We did like 35, 40 episodes. And then we both worked on the same radio show. We're talking baseball all the time. And, you know, as we kind of like we're both have like this core of Cardinal fans. But I feel like we're really in tune with this whole league. And I I, got to be honest, like, I'm just so excited to have baseball back and have a full season of it. And there's so many storylines. Like, of course, the Cardinals made some news with Nolan Arenado. But, like, we'll talk some twins on here for our Minnesota area listeners. But we're just going to, like, get into the whole league. We have some fun stuff to get to. And there's so many different storylines throughout this this season. And we get 162 games. Like, it just just can't be better. I feel like you and I are going to be watching some random games in the middle of the night, like some A's games or some Rangers games because we have guys that we have to keep an eye on at nine o'clock at night yeah I can't wait for it to be 11 o'clock at night and I'm tuning into the middle of an Angels game or something you know but yeah I mean there's never been a better time to be a baseball fan right now there's so many guys two eyes I just kicked over my water bottle that was cool uh no but there's so many guys to keep track of and there's so many you know you have the super teams in LA and San Diego obviously but you still have these scrappy teams like Oakland and you know like the Angels and now even the Braves too I mean they're a scrappier team with some star power as well so it's just a great time to be a baseball fan there's so many different guys to watch and different teams to be fans of so what we're going to do today is we're going to go over X factors for the entire league. We'll pick one guy. I have a couple for some teams throughout the entire league. I'm taking the AL. Jake has the NL. And so we'll kind of go back and forth. And we're, then we're not doubling up because we kind of think the same about some of the game. And I guarantee we'd add some of the same guys. And then afterward, for our second segment, we're going to go division by division and rank these lineups and starting pitchers. If we have enough time, we'll get to the bullpens. And then at the very end, we're going to touch on a little bit of a betting guide, just our favorite over under just for these season odds. As we kind of see the numbers are coming out, we're starting to get a better feel for some of these teams. And there's a couple numbers that make a lot of sense. So I have one under and one over, and we'll get to that one at the end of the show, but let's start with the X factors, Jake, since you're the guest, we'll let you go first and you get to pick which division you get to start with. So you, you had that, you had the NL, which division are you starting with and who are your X factors? Well, we might as well go across the board. So I'll start in the East. And I, I think it's a pretty, pretty easy guess where I'm going to go here. Um, I am going to go with the Mets, but it's not going to be Francisco Lindor because you know what you're getting from him. He obviously elevates that team. For me, the X factor for the Mets is kind of, I, I couldn't really pick one. So in typical me faction, I have a 1A, 1B, um, but they're both pitchers. And the first one is Marcus Stroman. What kind of pitcher are you, are you getting the Marcus Stroman from when he was a Cy Young candidate in Toronto for that one, one and a half years when he was coming off ACL surgery and he looked really, really good. Or are you getting the Marcus Stroman who's a little closer to average at three, five, four range. Uh, is he going to be your number three? We know he can pitch like a number one, but thankfully he has being on the Mets, the luxury of only having to pitch like a number three. Uh, because he's behind Jacob deGrom and Carlos Carrasco. So he's my first one. I think he's a really 
really intriguing look. Uh, he has looked disgusting in spring training. His changeup has looked filthy. Uh, and I think he's a, you know, a little tease for the betting guy. I think he's a really interesting look for NL Cy Young at 12 or 14 to one in that range where he's sitting right now. Um, 1B for the Mets, Edwin Diaz. It's kind of the same thing as Stroman. Which Edwin Diaz are you getting? Are you getting Seattle Edwin Diaz where he's a lockdown? That sinker is moving. It's got the run. Nobody's touching it. And when they are, they're pounding it into the ground to the second baseman. Or are you getting the Edwin Diaz who gives up 10 home runs for nine innings and can't lock down a save? It's really, I think that is really key for the Mets, especially because, yeah, they could go to Robert Selman, but if Edwin Diaz is right, that really helps you a lot, especially late in games, obviously. I feel like when Edwin Diaz is right, he might be the best closer in baseball. Right? Absolutely. That, that's kind of the upside that he has. So I, I, I am absolutely on board with both of those picks. You know, if if anybody wanted to uh, look into our Twitter DMs back and forth, it's a lot of the pitching ninja back and forth. <laughs> it's a lot of the Marcus Stroman little things. Like his pitching, like pitching ninja is the best follow on Twitter. And right now, and you're just starting to see what Stroman's doing. The changeup looks sharp. His everything just looks Really, really good. Okay, so what we're going to do is why don't you crank through your five in the NL East, and I'll go to the AL East and do my five. Then you don't have to talk for 27 minutes in a row. <laughs> uh, with the Phillies, I know you're a big Bryce Harper guy, but Bryce needs some help. Who's your Who's your X factor for the Phillies this year if they want to get over the top, over the hump? It's Scott Kingery. And it's easy to say pitching for the Phillies, but that's not really an X factor to me. That's just a need. That's just something that needs help. Scott Kingery is an X factor because – you know, last year he had COVID issues and last year he missed some time and he never really seemed right. But the previous year in 2019, when he was right, he was fantastic. He was in center field. He was at second base. He was at shortstop and he was, he was fantastic. He was great. He was a very, very good presence at the top of that lineup. They lost Didi Gregorius, right? Did they, or did they resign him? Am I an idiot? Yeah, he is gone, right? Okay. Yeah. So they lost him. That's going to give, that's going to open up. Gene Segura will obviously move back to shortstop, but Scott Kingery can slide in there at second. He can play a center field as well. Um, so I, I think Scott Kingery, you know, when he's right that one year in 2019, there was a stretch there where he was a, above an all-star. He was pushing MVP candidacy. He was talking, pushing MVP talk and that will give Bryce the help he needs. Obviously JT Real Muto's there, but as he gets older, he's going to start to decline. He's at 30 now. Scott Kingery is still 27, 20, if that even. Scott Kingery, I think they gave him that contract extension. There's some real star potential there. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you. I lied. Didi Gregorius is still the Phillies. He had a bunch of interesting. Okay, that's what I thought. He came back on a small deal, a two-year deal. So he, yeah, he is back. But I mean, again, you still talk about it just because Didi's back doesn't change anything for Kingery. Right. Because I feel like, you know, I look at that lineup and Segura's really good and Harper's probably going to hit third, but you you need another, a table setter, right? And maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's Kingery hitting at that eight spot, right? And can kind of set the table a little bit for Bryce and give him more opportunities. Okay, um, how about this? Where are you going with the the Nationals? The Nationals, it's so intriguing with them because they added Kyle Schwarber. They added Josh Bell. Obviously, they added John Lester to be their fourth uh, starter, finally. But I think I'm going to go with Josh Bell because it's been a while since we've seen that true star flash from him. It's been a while since we've seen that 850-plus OPS and the real power. Outside of, I think, 2017, 2018, outside of that one year, He's been about a pedestrian hitter, about a 700, 750 OPS. I like what he could do. I I think getting under the tutelage of Ryan Zimmerman, the franchise in Washington, I think that could really help him. And plus, 
who was he hitting around in Pittsburgh? He was the guy, you know, there's no one there to protect him in that lineup. Now you have Kyle Schwarber, who I mentioned already. Uh, you have a Carter Keeboom. You have tra- uh, Trey Turner. You have a lot of guys there that where you're not the main person. And also you have an MVP candidate and Juan Soto, who's going to be there to protect you as well, where he says, all right, you're struggling a little bit. Let me swat three home runs in a game. Let me take care of the team for a week. You know, so I think Josh Bell, especially the switch hitting aspect really sticks out to me for him. I, I think there's some real potential there for the nationals to cash in. They bought low and now I, I feel like he could be a really good change of scenery guy. I am a hundred percent with you. I just feel like if that guy's hitting seventh in that lineup, you're just going to sure. have, a, I mean, that could absolutely work. And and we saw last year with the Nats, like, you know, obviously they had some injury histories and everything, but after Turner and Soto, it was a big drop-off, a big drop-off. So I liked their, their idea of going to get quality, solid veterans. And I think Bell fits the, fits the mold there perfectly. And plus everybody thrives when they go away from Pittsburgh, look at Garrett Cole. So I, I, <laughs> I, think, Bell, I think Bell could absolutely be in the mix there for a breakout season. Sure. All right, where are you going with now? All right, who do we have left? We have the Marlins and the Braves. The so Marlins going and the Braves. So. All right, well, with the Braves, uh, I think it's obvious the pitching. It's Mike Soroka. It's it, it's super it, – that's the easy slam dunk pick there. He looked like a Cy Young candidate before he busted his Achilles. And obviously an Achilles injury is very hard to come back from, especially with pitchers. Especially, with anybody. With anybody in sports ever, but a pitcher especially. And, you know, Max Fried stood up. And he said, hey, you know, I was a highly rated prospect as well. And they went and got Charlie Morton, which I really like for a deaf, deaf move. And Ian Anderson came out in the postseason and was their best pitcher. And again, he was a highly rated prospect. Not if you were paying attention, he was you knew this would come eventually, but not to the tune of a one. What was it? A one one seven ERA in the postseason. It was crazy, but he's great. But it's Mike Soroka. He is going to be the bona fide ace in that rotation. He will Absolutely. I mean, because then you get to push everyone down a row. Freed becomes a two. Morton becomes a three. Anderson becomes a four slash a three, whatever you want to, however you want to stack that rotation. So Soroka, I think that will really solidify their pitching staff. And it gives them someone who could go eight, nine innings. You know, Morton's not going, Morton's going five these days. Anderson, yeah, you'd like to see him continue to go deep. Yeah, Freed, you'd like to. But, you know, if with a longer season, a full length season, who knows if they'll hold up the entire time. Right. And they have Cole Hamels too coming back too, right? I believe so. That sounds right. Yeah. So that's another interesting piece there. You and I are both higher on Soroka than some of our friends. And I, I'm with you. I think, I think, I think it's just one of those, one of what have you done for me lately? He's kind of faded. The Braves did great without him going a game from the world series. And so it's kind of like, it's easy to forget him. People like us who are paying attention to these things, you know, when, especially when the Braves were struggling in the middle of the season last year and they didn't really have a pitcher. It's easy for us to say, okay, well, they're getting that guy back. Right. Especially too, like every, I think a lot of people fall in love with the strikeouts and Soroka might not be like that dominant, like, Oh my God, he's lighting up the radar, but the dude just gets people out. And I think that type of pitcher is really underrated. All right. I'm fascinated where you go with, with Miami, because this Miami team was sneaky good last year. Now we talked about this before this before the season last year, that we liked their additions. We liked the addition of VR. Uh, We liked the addition of that first baseman who from the Brewers, who I'm totally blind. Right. Who and and so you add like these nice solid veterans, a little bit like what the Nats are doing around some solid up and coming youngsters that you like. And what do you know? They make the playoffs. Now I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. And it's a whole different ball game over a 162 game season. But this Miami team is frisky, like really frisky. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're going to be competitive. I think they shock some people and you're seeing other teams kind of adopt that blueprint of blueprint of, oh, hey, we have some young guys who maybe they are truly a year or two from being at their peak. But if we surround them with some good complimentary guys, Corey Dickerson, Jesus Aguilar and Jonathan Villar, who you mentioned Starling Marte is another one, uh, then we can maybe push our ceiling a little bit. And that's fantastic. And, and we'll get to those teams, obviously, as we go here. But my X factor for the Marlins, you know, it, it's easy to go with some of those guys. It's easy to go with Starling Marte because he's coming back from the injury and they stalled out when he got hurt in the playoffs. But it's their young pitching, obviously. It, it's can those guys survive over a full season? We just talked about it with the Braves, with Max Fried and Ian Anderson. Now can Sixto Sanchez and uh, Sandy Alcantara, can they also go 25, 30 starts. Can they hold up? There's hard throwers. We've seen what hard velocity does to elbows, but we've also seen guys hold up under it. So that's because the Miami Marlins, their lineup isn't quite there yet still. That's why they had to get those complimentary pieces. But if their pitching is great, I mean, Sixto Sanchez is a, what, a 10 to 1, 11 to 1 Cy Young candidate right now at, at certain sports books. I, I think, and he is, and he can pitch like it, but can he hold up? You know, part of his issue with getting to the majors was health and arm trouble. And that's why he struggled at times. So can those guys hold up for 25, 30 starts? That's one of those teams that I can't wait to watch and just to figure yeah. out who they are. I think that, I think they're going to be a very watchable team because those young guys, they might be young. You might not know their names for a little bit. They can play and those pitchers can throw hard. They're really going in on velocity and Sixo Sanchez is one mm-hmm. of the best fun guys to watch. Okay. I will take over on the AL East now. Let's start with Tampa, which is really interesting because I could go a couple different ways here. But we, he hasn't pitched since September of 2017. So, of course, I'm taking Brent Honeywell Jr. <laughs> and again, we were talking about it on Twitter. We saw a couple of these clips where he comes back and the changeup looks good. And when he can throw that slider at the same location, it's breaking the way it is. His spin rate is good. This is a top prospect. And we talk about this Tampa team. You know, they got rid of two big-time elite type of players. And they're still going to be just fine this year. For guys like this, Brent Honeywell Jr. could absolutely blow up this year. If he can stay healthy, he's a ginormous wild card. They don't need him. But if they get him, that could really spark them and get them over the top and have them be, you know, I think they're already going to be competitive. They could be really competitive if Honeywell starts to tap into that ceiling a little bit. Right. You look at this race team that, you know, went to the World Series and obviously the Dodgers were a machine. You know, what can you you can only do so much in that situation. Um, but, yeah, then the race trade away Blake Snell and everyone says, OK, well, you know, he wasn't happy after getting yanked in that game when he was dealing uh, that eventually they went on to lose and then lose the World Series. And, you know, and, and then you look at they lose Charlie Morton, who was really good for them in that postseason as well. Um, it, but you say, OK, we know how well the good, how well the Rays developed pitching. That's their thing. That's been their MO for years. And now even Chris Archer looks like he's good again. Chris Archer was dotting 97 on the black today and his spring training started. He looked like he had his swagger back. And, you know, and the thing is with Honeywell, he was a top five prospect in all of baseball at one point. Everyone was really excited for this guy. Unfortunately, arm trouble, arm surgery has set him back and back and back and back. It looks like he's going to be better. I would assume they're going to keep it short with him. Um, is, but if he's at the back end of the rotation, that's fine. You can hide him a little bit. You still have Tyler Glass now, and now Chris Archer looks fine again. And they uh, signed Michael Waka, who looks like his fastball has life again. It's very interesting. And so they have all these options. Brendan McKay is another one who I think could be an X factor for them. So they have a ton of options. I would really love to see Honeywell succeed, but I, I think the Rays will be just fine in the long run. 
my other uh, X factor was Randy Orozarena because I just felt like, you know, that, that breakout last year was fun. Can he sustain yeah. that? Because if that's legit, holy crap, <laughs> like, holy crap. He well, could be really good. We didn't, well, we didn't even mention the number one prospect in baseball, Wander Franco, <laughs> who's, who's just sitting there with the door, ready to go. Right. We're just yeah, waiting. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the Rays, they'll be fine They They always have something up their sleeve. Okay, let's go to Toronto, who kind of dominated this offseason. Uh, but I think I think their guy is – and this one was pretty easy for me. It's Nate Pearson all the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about one of the best prospects in all of baseball. He has had some injury history over the last three years that's really concerning. But, man, we saw a little taste of it last year. When he's right, oh, boy, there's something there. And he has just outstanding velocity, great control. And, and he was a rookie. He only had a couple starts, and some of the raw numbers don't look good. But if you dig a little bit deeper, that strikeout per nine is fun, and it's translatable. And so I think Nate Pearson, you know, you look at this you look at this team right now for Toronto. You like their lineup. You like Hinjin Ryu. He was great last year. But after Hinjin Ryu, it's like a kind of wide open. Robbie Ray, are you a three or a two or a four? Tanner Roark, probably closer to a four than a three. Steven Matz, can you stay healthy? Probably a four or five, right, when you're when you're good. Ross Stripling, I really like him. I think he could be there too. But it's wide open for a stud to come in and Pearson's knocking on the door. If he stays healthy and he's dealt with a groin injury this spring, so he might miss the first part of the regular season. But if he stays healthy and starts to tap into his potential, that that rotation really starts to take form and gets really deep too. Right. You know they're going to hit between George Springer once he comes back from this oblique injury and Vladdy Guerrero and Bo Bichet. They're going to hit. And Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gordiel Jr. Like, they're going to hit. Don't have to worry about the lineup. You're good there. It's definitely the pitching. Uh, and Pearson's the big one. And Pearson is immediately who I thought of as well because after Ryu, there's a drop there. Yeah, you can have that assortment of got threes and fours. That's fine. But you need at least two guys who are going to be there for you. And now even with the Kirby Yates injury, Robbie Grossman, I think, especially becomes the center of attention there for, okay, we know you can do one of the two, but what's it going to be? Because we need you here at one spot or the other. So um, going to Baltimore, you know, this is one of the better feel-good stories of the year, and it's Trey Mancini's return after having cancer. Mm-hmm. I feel like if he if he's yeah. back and he can team up with Anthony Santander, I'm, Anthony Santander was really good last year, like yeah. really, really good. And Mancini coming back, like he's a stud. He's probably hitting cleanup for them, probably, I would imagine. imagine. And if he can get back to that pre-cancer form, like it's honestly just great that he's back in the game and back to playing. Yeah. But if for he's sure. back to hitting like he used to hit as well, that's a big improvement and I don't think he's going to be in Baltimore super long but that could be a big thing for Baltimore too if he starts hitting maybe he can get flipped to a team and help somebody win in the playoffs and how cool of a story would that be if Trey Mancini gets a big home run in the playoffs helping somebody win a big game after having cancer and missing an entire year like that would be incredible yeah Baltimore obviously still years away from competing they're still going to be one of the worst teams like but you're starting to see some pieces Santander who you mentioned Mancini could be one Ryan Mountcastle is another one who has shown some really up some real upside Um, and also I, I think for them as well John Means can he go back to what we saw in 2019 talk about a guy you could flip so yeah but Mancini's the focus here it's such a feel-good story and like you said if he can get flipped and, and, he, and, you know, he's such like, a, I feel like such an Oakland player probably that, you know, you, you plug him in there. But yeah, I, I mean, he's he's a great story. He's somebody that you're going to be watching definitely. And, and a team that doesn't have a lot to watch. I feel like the twins could be involved for him too. Like that would be sure. an interesting fit there too. If some things go wrong with, especially some of their outfield play, if, if things go wrong there, they could maybe get interested there. Okay. Last one in the AL East and the Jake's going to come up with the NL Central. 
Um, and it's in Boston. And this one, this one, I kind of went back and forth on a little bit because you look at some of their pitchers and Boston needs their pitchers to step up. But a, a kid I keep going back to is Bobby Dahlbeck. And he's been so good for them th throughout the spring. He's I think he's hit six home runs already this spring. He has power to all fields. I mean, and they they have a really good lineup right now up top. Like their top six is pretty good when you talk Alex Verdugo, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers. I, I like Christian Vasquez. I'm not going to give up on him. But if Albeck stops, it starts to be also like uh, to like establish himself a little bit, get comfortable and start to really do some damage down in the bottom of the order. That's a guy who could drive in 100 runs just because he has so many dudes ahead of him that like to get on base a lot. So I'm, I'm excited about him. I'm really excited about him. And Boston might have a, a rising star there. And this might be the real breakout year for him. Yeah, Dahlbeck's interesting for Boston, especially because they've had so many prospects who have not panned out the way. You know, there's still time for Chavez to pan out. And, you know, Verdugo obviously came from L.A., so they can't take all the credit for him. Um, and, you know, there's the ever, ever developing or ever present uh, Rusty Castillo story. But, uh, yeah, Dahlbeck gives them something. And then you could use Kike Hernandez in that super utility role instead of plugging him in as a starter. And you have to worry about, well, can this guy play every day? So Dahlbeck really gives them something. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it, it could give Boston that bottom of the order, give them that one through ninth threat where, okay, we're back. Okay. Now we just need our pitchers to stay healthy, which isn't a thing in and of itself, but it definitely solidifies them if he can keep this up. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I have one more. I forgot to do the Yankees kind of a big team in the, um, <laughs> uh, this one is weird too, because I feel like I could go a lot of different directions for it. Uh, Gary Sanchez is not going to be it, right? Like, I just think he stinks. We both think he stinks. <laughs> We're kind of on that train. Uh, they're pitchers. You could talk about Corey Kluber, but I kind of feel like he's washed already and is already working way, his way back. Jamison Tyone has been good at times. I, I, I like his upside eventually, but the guy I keep going back to is Glebar Torres because he was really bad last year. And now you could talk about it. Hey, it was just a, a weird year, a shortened season, but his power was completely gone. I think he only had 11 extra base hits all year long. That's a problem. And we're talking about a guy who was third in rookie of the year voting in 2018. And I want to say he got MVP votes a year in 2019. Might have, yeah. So like, like this is a stud. Like this could, I mean, probably not your best hitter, but maybe your second or third best hitter when he's right. And he was not right last year for a large majority of the year. And maybe just getting back and getting that normal season again could get him going in. Because if he's unlocked, I mean, he's an MVP candidate. He really, he legitimately is. He could be one of the best shortstops in all of baseball. Yeah, he needs to stay healthy too. He's had his injury issues. Did he have COVID or am I making that up? You're making that one up. I don't remember that. Okay. I it's thought okay. he had COVID, but I, I must be thinking of someone else. I but almost yeah, I mean, he, Clint Frazier too. Yeah, he would have been my pick here because especially, you know, Brent Gardner's not giving you that much anymore. Aaron Hicks can never stay healthy. Aaron Judge, it looks like, can never stay healthy. So it looks like Frazier's going to get regular playing time, but I digress. Glaber Torres is a good one, though. He, he really, especially, like I said, if Judge and Stanton aren't healthy, he's really your only star left that will carry you. So if he's good, you can survive missing Judge for 20 games, or you can survive missing Stanton for – hundred. I don't know. but I mean, Torres, yeah, he has that potential. That's who they thought they were getting when they traded a role as Chapman to the Cubs. Um, and so I think that's huge for them. And if he's healthy, I mean, we've been waiting for this evil umpire to really step up, but injuries have hampered them. But if he's right and the rest of their guys are healthy, it's a scary lineup. Let's move on to the NL central and then the AL central. Uh, Jake, let's, let's start with the Cardinals here. I kind of have an idea of where you're going with the Cardinals X factor, but who you got? 
Well, the easy, obvious answer would be Nolan Arenado. So we're not going to do that because obviously everybody's going to be watching him. Yeah, we know he'll be second or third in the lineup. Can he play away from Coors Field? Newsflash, yes, he can play away from Coors Field. Look at baseball reference. You'll find it. It's not that hard. Click around a little bit. But uh, the X factor for the Cardinals comes from the rotation. And I'm going to single this one down to one person. It's Carlos Martinez. And at his best, you know, in a run there from 2015 to 2017, 2014, 2017, he was one of the better, let's say even best starters in the league. He was phenomenal. He was pumping out innings. He had, he had some of the highest innings rates in baseball. He had some of the highest strikeout rates in baseball. He wasn't walking anybody. He was an ace. He was getting Cy Young uh, votes every year. Then injuries happen, and obviously injuries, you never want to see them to any player, especially a pitcher when it keeps recurring over and over, and it's never great. And then he did some time as a reliever, and every time they tried to extend him back as a starter, he would get hurt again. He's looked shaky during the spring. I think it's just because his stuff is so volatile. It moves so much. It's so dynamic that maybe he needed to get a feel for that control because when it's on, it's great, and it's whiffs, and – you know, you have Jack Flaherty there as the number one already. So Martinez doesn't have to be the number one. He might not even have to be the number two. Kim was fantastic last year. So Martinez, it might be a Stroman situation where he might only have to pitch like a three and you'll be happy with that. Um, so I, I think he's very interesting. And he's also an X factor because even if he's not in the rotation, he's shown that he can close. He's shown that he could be an eighth inning guy. So he's going to have some value here. It just depends on where it's going to come from. And they need somebody to step up after that Dakota Hudson injury, which is very, very. And Miles Michaelis. And then Miles Michaelis as well. So, yeah, I'm with you on Martinez. I feel like Martinez has been the X factor for the Cardinals for the past three years, and it's just got to keep going. It's it's been either him or Alex Reyes. It's been like, pick pick your pitcher. And I feel like I I thought that there was potential for you to possibly go Carlson this year, but I think we kind of know who he is and what he's going to bring to the table. And then I I thought thought about Carlson. I, I thought about Carlson, but he's been playing really well over the last week or so in spring, and he started to flash at the end of the year last year. So, and again, top prospect, you know who he is. I, I feel like Martinez is kind of off people's radars at this point. Agreed. Agreed. All right. How about the Cubs? It's easy. It, it's, it's the trio of stars there. I'm going to go with Chris Bryant because his, how he performs has a lot of implications as far as trades or do you keep them or do you extend them? And then if you do trade them, do you start trading other people? And so, you know, if Chris Bryant can get back to that all-star MVP level, he's going to lift up the rest of the team. He's already won one MVP. We know he's got that in him. Javi Baez was an MVP candidate previously. Anthony Rizzo is an all-star almost every year. I feel like if one of them can get right, then the rest are going to fall in line. I think Bryant is the one that everyone's going to pay attention though, too, because the free agent after this year, will the Cubs look to deal him regardless of if he's playing well or not, because you don't want to lose him for nothing. And he is a Scott Boris guy. So you're probably not going to get an extension at this point, if at all. So Bryant's, they have a decision to make. And obviously, you know, if they end up trading him, then you wonder is Wilson Contreras on the block is Javi Baez on the block because their free agency years are coming up as well. And the Cubs, they can't really afford to ship off talent right now because they need that lineup to perform with the way that rotation is looking right now. Yeah, I was I was leaning towards the rotation too, and I feel like it's a tree of those star, starters there. Trevor Williams, Jake Arrieta, and Zach Davies, right? Those three guys are going to really determine the Cubs' fate. But I do think you're right. The Chris Bryant one has more dominoes throughout the entire organization. That'll, that'll basically change everything. 
All right. Who do you want to go to next? You want to go to the Brewers or the Reds? Because I feel like I feel like the Brewers are pretty fascinating to me. Sneaky. <laughs> well, let, let's go with let's go with the Brewers because they are fascinating. Um, and, and I think obviously, again, there's always the obvious one, and I'm trying to avoid the obvious one. So I'm trying to avoid Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns here because you know obviously they were great, um, and, and they're going to be great. But I think for here, it's it's not again and. It, Obvious one is Yelich. Will he bounce back? Blah, 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 blah. Sure. Whatever. We can do that, but I'm not going to. Um, I'm going to go with the other outfielders though. I'm going to go with Lorenzo Cain and Avisal Garcia because, and Garcia played well last year, but now it looks like he's going to be the fourth outfielder and for Jackie Bradley Jr. Who's obviously going to be in center and provide platinum glove, gold glove defense. Lorenzo Cain, can he stay healthy? Hasn't been that healthy over the last year, year and a half. So can you, he's never going to be the Kansas city Lorenzo Kane again, but can he give you better defense in a corner? I think he can. And can he give you 280 and like a seven nineties OPS? And if he can't, can Garcia give you something to the point where, all right, we still want to go with Kane because no one wants to take his contract. Can we flip Garcia for some infield help? Uh, because yeah, here is there, uh, but are you really that all that confident in anybody else in that infield? So it, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic there in Milwaukee, but I'm going with Abisal Garcia and Lorenzo Cain as the X factor, how they perform is going to have some implications for the rest of the team. I'm, I'm totally with you, especially uh, with the power aspect of those two guys, because if you take a peek at this Brewers lineup, it doesn't have the bop that you kind of want sometimes like outside of Yelich and Hira, like it's like, you know, how much can you count on Jackie Bradley Jr. to give you some extra base hits? Like, well, there's always the, there's always the annual Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm going to be fantastic at the plate for a month and a half and hit 300. But after that, I'm going to be so average. Exactly. Exactly. Travis Shaw could be in this mix, too. I mean, they could really use a 22 to 24 home run season from him out of the seven spot or a six spot, wherever he's hitting, that'd be huge. But I, I'm with you. I'm with you on Kane. And I, I you know, he's a guy that I, I've always really admired just because I, I love the way that he plays. I love his defense. I feel like he does everything for when he was with the Royals too early. And then like, just like to see his decline a little bit kind of is a sad like omen. It's like, dang, we're kind of getting a little bit old when you see a, a guy that was so <laughs> athletic, not look athletic anymore. You know what I mean? Right. All right. How about the Reds? <sighs> couple ways you could go with this one. I'm going Nick Senzel, former top prospect in all of baseball, has not lived up to the billing thus far. He could play some center. He could play some second base. Where are you going to put him? But it's the, at the plate, too. And, you know, the, those days that, you know, is Joey Votto, you know, was that a fluke year last year? What is he now? We're not sure. Senzel's one of those guys. They're one of those teams that, all right, they always have the prospects in the rankings, but they never seem to quite – pan out completely at the majors. Senzel was, I, I believe, number two in all of baseball at some point. So if he can play well, especially, you know, as this core around him, around the Reds starts to get older, you know, they lost Trevor Bauer as well. Um, they need him to hit. Can I give you my uh, Nick Senzel uh, deep, dark theory? I feel <laughs> Nick Senzel... So here's my thing with Nick Senzel. Like he comes up as a rising can't miss guy, right? Mm -hmm. When you're a rising can't miss guy and you're playing every day at a single position and then that you come up to the majors and they treat you like Ben Zobrist and they try to move you around. 
that's really, yeah. really hard. So part of me goes, can you just pick a spot for him and just leave him alone? Like, just let him play center field and just leave him alone and let him hit and get let him get comfortable. Because Shogo Akiyama, like, he's fine, whatever. But, like, I feel like Senzel's ceiling is so much higher. And if Senzel's a star, that helps the Reds so much more with tickets and everything. Like, it, it just would be so much more important. And they treated him like he was a... You know, like like a Ben Zobris, like a like a, a Brock Holt, and tried to figure out a spot for him, and that really right. messed his groove up a little bit. I think that's fair because when he moved around, that's when he got injured too. I believe he took the injury when he was when he first moved to center field. I think that's when he first started having ankle issues. Uh, so yeah, I mean, let the kid acclimate. I mean, we saw it. You know, and this kind of to tie back to the our Cardinals fan, this happened to Colton Wong when they were moving him to the outfield, the infield. And finally, when he, they said, and granted it took a new manager, but they finally said, all right, you're going to second base. And then he became an all-star gold glove caliber player. And then went and got paid in Milwaukee. So, yeah, I mean, I think that needs to happen with Senzel, but I would really love to see him succeed. He's still only like 24. Right. Like that. Like right. He, he's, he's got a ton of upside. He's so, he can be, he can be so, so good. All right. Speaking of another young guy that could be really good, if you don't pick Key Brian Hayes for the Pirates, <laughs> I'm going to be so mad. But I have a feeling you're going with Gregory Polanco. Who are you going with? It's going to be Polanco because, you know, Hayes is going to be there for the next seven years or so. Polanco is getting older. He's coming up on the end of his contract. Pittsburgh needs help bad in the farm system. They need to start turning this ship around. Uh, Polanco is really their only last trade piece. They flipped Musgrove in the offseason. He's really, they flipped Bell in the offseason. Polanco is the only one left from the old gang, really. And I, I don't think you're going to get a ton for him. You're probably going to get a Josh Bell-like package, but you hold on to him for the first half of the season. He gets hot. You could flip him to, you know, a team that maybe needs some outfield help. You could flip him to a Yankees, to a Phillies, to an Oakland A's even, to an, an, a Los Angeles Angels. You could flip him somewhere if he's hot and he's playing well, then that could really help them get a couple of top 10 prospects into their system no i i think i think that's right i think we know what key brian hayes is gonna be one day and right exactly. signs signs about polanco though out of the out of the spring training has been really positive so they think they might have unlocked him again and if they do that's we hear that every year <laughs> but this is also works, the guy that lost time. a fly ball in the sun and, and a walk off to the cubs one time uh, so that was honestly one of the most <laughs> disgusting things i've ever seen all right let's go to the al central let's touch on the twins first and i i want to get your take on this because there's a lot of different ways i could go here too the 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 rotation is interesting for me kenta maeda i feel like it's pretty pretty like standard jose barrios has had his moments where he looks really good and then really bad so i guess i could circle him but I'm kind of looking at that outfield spot, especially in left field. And it's Alex Kurilov or Brent Rooker for me. Both of those two guys are the two that really stand out. And especially Kurilov, he just got sent down again. So he's probably not going to open uh, with the 25-man or 26-man roster now this year. So that'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's probably, what, the number three prospect, four prospect in all of baseball right now. He's an absolute study, made his debut in the freaking playoffs against the Astros. So he is... He, Odd how that works, isn't it? Odd how you're good enough for the playoffs against the Astros, but not for opening day. Interesting how that works, isn't it, Isaac? Interesting. Huh. So fast. Huh. I wonder what's Very going on. Very interesting. Here. But he's yeah. also been really, really bad throughout the spring. Really bad. He's had a, a yeah. really really rough start there and Rooker can hit Rooker can absolutely hit. And he's another uh, top 15. I think he's 13th in the twins uh, 
prospect ranking. So he's not like a slouch prospect either, but those two guys could really set the table here because they need Kirilov to be a star. They need, they absolutely need him to, and you need him to step up and replace a guy who was playing great outfield for you last year and and was hitting a a ton. And I'm, why am I blanking on his name right now? Eddie Rosario, Eddie Rosario. So they they need that Rosario replacement. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's going to be Rooker or Kirilov. I think Rooker is going to get the nod at the beginning and then Kirilov is going to make some noise in AAA and then come up. I agree with that. I, I love the way Kirilov plays. Um, Rosario is a huge loss for them. And obviously this is a Minnesota twins team that set the record for home runs. So they need this lineup to be good. Bringing back Nelson Cruz, of course helps. And yeah, I agree with you about the rotation. I do think Kenta Maeda is here to stay as a Cy Young candidate. I think he just needed to get run in Los Angeles. It was kind of like a, a Senzel and I think they kept saying bullpen rotation, bullpen rotation, swingman rotation, you know? So they weren't really giving him a fair shake to get comfortable, but you know, I, I'm always excited with the Twins for the uh, the annual Byron Buxton get hot for two weeks, injured. So that's always fun. But he actually showed some flesh. So that's not fair to Byron Buxton. But you know, he uh, yeah, I, like I think the most he has the most unfair injury history of all time. Like, some yes, it's, like, yeah, it's unfortunate. How how do you have this? <laughs> Um, also, I cannot wait to go to some twins, twins games this summer just because I, I love Donaldson. I, I just love yeah. everything about him. And I, it's just fun. Sometimes it's sometimes it's easy to forget that he is a twin because like they barely played last year. He also got hurt and missed a decent amount of time. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, Kirillov or Rooker or my or whoever wins that left field spot in and is there, you know, I think you'll see both eventually. Agreed. Agreed. Because Rooker looks more like a, a platoon guy eventually long term. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to the White Sox. Uh, this one's really easy and I have two that are really easy. It's Andrew Vaughn and Dylan Cease. That, that's who it is. If those two guys are up to par, like look at the rotation. With Lynn and Keuchel and Giolito, if Cease touches on what he continues to do, if he cuts down the walks, if he continues to, to you know, throw gas, right, and, and stays healthy, and that rotation is four deep for the playoffs, that's huge. And then you look at the lineup, and if Vaughn is Vaughn, like playing like the player that – Which it looks like he has been. <laughs> which it absolutely does – you're talking about making this lineup maybe the best in all of baseball. And those are the two guys. Yeah, you, you went an interesting route because I also had a pitcher and a position player in mind, but you went a little different than I did. Just real quick, um, obviously the White Sox are in a bit of a pickle now here with Andrew Vaughn because you weren't about to let the 2020 MVP walk away on a free agent deal. You weren't going to let that happen. You would have had a riot on your hands. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Abreu and Vaughn. Obviously the DH helps and they let Enwood and Carnassian go. So I'm sure they'll finagle it in some way. Um, but I, I'm surprised you didn't say Michael Kopech. See, I, I'm kind of off on him. I'm kind of like, can you come back and play for three months and then I'll figure it out? You know what I mean? But just Not because sure. there's this, there's just like that, like so, I, I hate to say it, but some guys just are going to be hurt, right? Like sometimes you get sure. you have guys that get injured and they just never get over it. And they're always just mm-hmm. another one keeps popping up because their body's just readjusting and never fully right. And sure. so I, I'm kind of, I, I get that Kopech's a huge X factor and I get that Kopech when he's right, like could be the best, pit, you know, prospect pitcher in, in baseball. Yeah. But I just, I, I, I just, I, I want to see it a little bit before I start counting on him with everything. It's kind of like how I viewed Alex Reyes a bit, like just come. That's fit. right come and pitch for us before we start to see what our expectations should be. That's fair. I think Yoan Moncada is another one, a, a guy who dealt with COVID and, and was very vocal about how his COVID, you Agreed. know, fight battle, whatever you want to call it uh, affected him and how he wasn't right all year. So this was a guy who was an MVP candidate in 2019 
just didn't have it. Obviously, the White Sox did fine because, you know, Luis Robert and Eli Jimenez and Tim Anderson are awesome. And you, again, you had the MVP, but I think Moncada is, uh, is a big one. But I agree with you. Cease, such a frustrating pitcher. He's, he's very frustrating to watch. Um, it seems like the White Sox have a lot of those guys <laughs> who just can't seem to get to that potential. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think those are good picks. And the White Sox, they're going to be good. But it's guys like that that are going to make them a, a playoff team to a championship team. You're going to hate my Detroit Tigers pick. And we're going to watch a lot of Detroit Tigers baseball, I think, this summer. I think we are. Uh, I'm going with Nomar Mazzara, whether you like it or not. Wow. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. It's Casey Mize. It's Casey Mize. I'm sorry it's obvious, but it's the truth. It's it's Mize. If, like, yeah. I cannot wait to see him. I just cannot wait to see him. Like, yeah. there were outings last year where that changeup was just ridiculous. And so it's him. Easy. It's Done. Disgusting. And I, I yeah. just made I just picked Mazzara just for fun. <laughs> I mean, there's an argument to be made that they're going to try and flip Mazzara, but uh, no, I, I think uh, Casey Mies is obviously the pick. He, he's, I love watching how he pitches. Um, if you want to go a little bit deeper, you could look at Tariq Scoble or Matt Manning, but it's, it's Mies. He's going to be, he's going to be the draw here. He's going to be the only reason you watch Tigers games. I'm also, well, inter- you, I mean, casual fans. I'll be watching for other reasons. But. <laughs> I'm also interested in if Matt Boyd gets back on track. Okay? Yeah. Like there's, you know, or the ghost or-, or the ghost of Michael Fulmer. True, true. I'm not counting on him either. But the thing is, is like with Boyd and like Turnbull and then Mize, like you could have something there. Like so that could be, have something there. You could that'll be interesting. Plus, I mean, I'm gonna go watch Miggy take a few at bats and Heimer Calendario. Like, I mean, how much better could it get to watch Robbie Grossman lead off? Although we we are we are confirmed big Robbie Grossman fans. We do like Robbie Grossman here. We are. We are. All right, with the Indians. Uh, I I'm going with Zach Plezak here and I feel like I feel like Plezak's in an interesting spot because obviously when you look at this Indians team they they're kind of they're kind of pressing right now like you just get rid of Lindor like this this rotation's kind of in shambles a little bit and you need you need your pitching to be awesome this year to make up for that loss of Lindor and Bieber is going to be really good Shane Bieber's probably again the favorite in the AL to go win another Cy Young but Plezak could really lengthen this rotation again. And there were times last year where he was so dominant, like so dominant. And obviously a lot of people remember him for the hothead moment he had about COVID and all that good stuff, but whatever, when he's right, he's one of the better pitchers, young pitchers in baseball. He's going to be there too this year. And if he continues to tap into that, and we haven't seen it for a full season yet, that's the thing too with durability. And if his durability is up to par and he can pitch along with Bieber, Bieber and Plezak is about as good as it gets from a young pitching duo. And they, they really need him. I, I just, I can't pick any of these, these guys in their rotate or in their lineup just because it's like, it's so meh after. You Jose. sure you don't want to pick an outfielder? You, sh- you sure? <laughs> it's the kiss of death to play outfield for the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> no, I agree with, I agree. It's Plezak. He could give them a deadly one, two punch if he takes that next step. And then Karinchek in the bullpen. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Mm-hmm. But I, like you could have a lot of days where it's Bieber for eight and Karinchek and then Plezak for eight and then Karinchek. That'll. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting. I think for them to see if they struggle and if they decide to flip Jose Ramirez, because there were rumors around him this off season, but that'll be a storyline to watch for me. I mean, I feel like if I'm an Indians fan, I'd burn it to the ground. If you got rid of Ramirez and Lindor and back to back year, what's next? Are you flipping Bieber for pennies on the dollar? You know what I mean? Like, like that's bad. Can't rule it out. <laughs> You can't. You really can't. All right, last one here. 
in the AL Central. Let's go to the Royals. This lineup is really fun. They've added some nice pieces yeah. this year. Now, how much do we trust Mike Matheny to get the best out of his group? I don't know. We're not huge Mike Matheny fans in this. <laughs> Um, and this in this lineup again, they're kind of doing the the Miami thing where they add veterans mm-hmm. that are going to kind of supplant around some of these really solid pieces. But the guy I keep going back to in this rotation that could be the huge X factor is Brady Singer, and he was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball and all of college baseball. And then he moves to the pros, and we saw a little bit of his ceiling when he starts to. I, did he finish with a no hitter, or do you have that one hitter that got ended in the ninth inning? I'm pretty sure he got ended in the ninth inning with that one. Yeah, that and sounds so, right you start to see some of these things come together. And this rotation is like a Mike Miner, Danny Duffy, Brad Keller situation. And so if you could have a situation where he comes in and, and uh singer is the, is the dude, that's, that would be huge. If he continues to be the ace, if he starts to be the ace. Yeah. I completely agree with you about them being doing the Marlins route. I, I absolutely, they two of the T that they're who I was alluding to earlier when we were talking about the Marlins. They bring in Carlos Santana. They still have Michael Franco. They bring in Andrew Benatendi. And then, like you said, Minor. And they already have Danny Duffy. Greg Holland is still there. And obviously, we're not even talking about Whit Merrifield and Jorge Soler and Adalberto Mondesi. They have a good team, man. I think they have a team that could – they might push the Indians a little bit for third place there. I don't think they're in the – I don't think they're going to push the White Sox or Twins very much, but the Indians, if they struggle, which they probably will because they don't really have anything outside of Ramirez and Bieber and Plesek and Karinchek. I mean, the Royals have a solid team, a really solid team. And like you said, Singer, I think is going to be awesome. Uh, and I think, I think Keller, Keller's only 26, I think 27. He shows flashes too. So I, I do like this Royals team a lot. I, I do. I really like them, but Singer, I think I think when you look at this division going forward over the next few years, it's going to be him, Mies, Bieber, Plesac, and and I hope Giolito or Kopech, but who knows? But yeah, I mean Singer, whew, he's got it, man. Uh, I think I'm going to spoil it a little bit, but you know we talk about that betting guide at the end. The Royals over, Royals is over, really, yeah, really, really, really fascinating. Mine I as well. <laughs> I really like that one. Okay, let's go to the let's go to the NL West. What do you got in the NL West? We've we've kind of, we've touched on the both Easts. Yeah, both, we've done. Uh, we're on the West. Um, so I'm going to start with the champions, with the reigning champions. Um, it's not Trevor Bauer. Sorry to disappoint. Although he has something to watch if he can be as good as he has been in the past. Uh, and by the past, I mean last year, literally only. But it's Cody Bellinger, uh, former MVP. He's coming off a shoulder surgery, which was one of the most hilarious injuries ever, unfortunately. But <laughs> You know, he just let started. Show, let the record show that would be something how you would dis- dislodge your shoulder. I guarantee yes, it. That I would agree. Exactly yeah, 1,000%. Uh, no, but he just started playing games again about 10 days ago. Already hit a home run, of course. But, you know, I think he's going to be really interesting to watch uh, because, you know, that, that lengthens that lineup. Of course, you have Mookie Betts and you have Corey Seager. But, uh, you know, Bellinger, he didn't have the greatest year last year, but he turned it on in the playoffs a little bit. And so I think his health, and how he goes uh, is going to be really interesting. But also, if you wanted to go for someone else, Gavin Lux. You know, he's finally got an avenue to regular playing time here, a one-time top prospect in baseball. He's going to be very interesting to see if he can, you know, he got his feet wet, didn't have the greatest year. Can he get more comfortable this year? I also think Julio Urias could be in that mix too, because mm-hmm. we, I mean, we've seen a lot of guys who have great postseasons and then parlay that into an awesome, like kind of like have a breakout in the postseason and then really get it going after that. Yep. 
I wonder if Urias is in that mix and if he's in the rotation full time. Now, obviously, that, that rotation is not going to be an issue for the Dodgers when you have Kershaw <laughs> and Bueller and Bauer. When you're seven people deep in the rotation, yeah. yeah. David Price is back. They have uh, May, who's um, Dustin May is amazing. So, like, that's not going to be an issue. But Urias was a, I think we saw how talented that could be. And again, I feel like that's a tone setter for the rest of baseball because the days of having, you know, you pitch the ninth inning, you pitch the eighth inning, you're the seventh inning guy. I don't think that's happening much longer. And Urias is a little bit of a different mold or a guy that can come out and give you two, three innings out of in, in relief or also start. Like that's an interesting weapon to have. And I think he's, he's due for a bust out year two. Well, and we've seen it in the last few world series. The, the Astros really started it where you use a starter to close out the world series. Uh, you know, the Astros did it with, um, Charlie Morton and the Red Sox did it with Chris Sale. And then the Nats kind of went back to the traditional way of using a closer, but the Nats had so many issues. Um, but then the Dodgers went back to it, you know, using a starter type, a swingman type. And I think you're right. Urias is going to be that, you know, all right, you got the eighth and ninth, especially with the way Kenley Jansen's progressing. And I should say regressing, uh, you know, Urias might be the guy now on the eighth. Ninth. That was mean. Kenley Jansen didn't deserve that, but Urias might be the guy now, you know, maybe you say, all right, we have a legit top closer who can go two innings now. He doesn't need to be the starter anymore that we thought he was going to be because he could do this and shut you down for the last two frames, and you're hopeless if you haven't beaten us by the seventh. Agreed. Agreed. Let's go to to, to uh, Arizona. I I really think it's Cattell Marte for me. Is it for you? So uh, that's kind of one of the obvious ones that I've been trying to stay away from. Obviously, I love Cattell Marte. He was the one-time MVP candidate, didn't have a great year last year. But I think I'm going to go to the pitching side, a storyline that has just popped up in the last couple of days. Zach Gallen, please, for the love of God, if you are against the universal DH, look at the storyline. Zach Gallen didn't hurt himself throwing, didn't hurt himself fielding. Swinging a bat, he fractured his forearm or forearm bone, whatever you want to. I don't know what the scientific name is, but the bone in his forearm fractured it swinging a bat. This is a guy who is a legitimate Cy Young contender, a guy who legitimately it could be one of the best pitchers in baseball. And now he's out for indefinitely because he got a fractured forearm from swinging a baseball bat. It's so that he can have two hits throughout the entire year. Yeah, exactly. Austin Berkland, please, I hope you're listening to this because we need to get rid of, of pitchers swinging bats. It does not make sense. So Zach Gallen is my X factor for the Diamondbacks because they really have no one else. Madison Bumgarner, he's over the hill. He's not going to be your ace anymore. Uh, Zach Gallen's your guy going forward. And it, if the sooner he gets back, the sooner you can tout yourself as a competitive team. I wonder how much um, Arizona regrets trading for Luke Weaver and, and picking Luke Weaver as one of those pitchers in that, in that Paul Goldschmidt. I, I think, I think Luke Weaver is going to be more like the 2019 version of himself than the 2020 version. I think he's somewhere in between. I don't think, I think those are two ends of the spectrum where we saw what he could be on either end as bad, like far bad side, far bad, far good side. I think he's somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I think it's fine. But again, Zach Gallen's your ace. You need him back. You definitely do. Definitely do. And if you like the, if you like pitcher sitting, I don't understand. I just <laughs> don't understand. We just want to talk. Yeah. I, I just want to talk. All right. How about the giants? What you got? Ugh, I mean, there's not, there's not really anything to like here. Brandon belts over the hill. Uh, Brandon Crawford's over the hill. Evan Longoria, sure, if you want to see him chase some records, I guess is an X factor. But, you know, it, it's kind of like the Pirates. You got to pick someone uh, who either you could flip or you could rally around. And it's Joey Bart. I mean, uh, again, I, I feel like I keep going back to these guys who used to be top prospects, but Joey Bart was supposed to be the successor 
to uh, uh, Buster Posey. And now Buster Posey also kind of over the hill. So, uh, yeah, Bart is like, he's going to be the guy you build around over the next few years. So what can he give you? Is he going to be that true superstar caliber that he looked like as a prospect and showed flashes of, or is he just kind of going to be a pedestrian guy that is just another piece and you still need to find that star? No, I'm with you. I, I do think though, that they do have two corner outfielders that you can kind of build around um, and, and kind of maybe. Well, Yastrzemski's over 30. So I don't, no, really. You could, I, I guess his X factor, he could be the X factor if you decide to trade him. Mm-hmm. But again, how, you know, he's really your only ticket seller right now, him and Bart. And that rotation is just, uh, I like Kevin Gossman, but ma'am, I'd like Kevin Gossman as my three, not as my one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe the most fun team in baseball right now, the Padres. A lot of different yeah. directions you could go with here. This is a team that's stocked up in the offseason. They added Darvish. They add Snell. Their lineup is great. They have Tatis Jr. They gave him a bunch of money. Who's their X factor, though? What's the, what, Who do they need to step up if they really want to make the, the deep run? Oh, you need to see uh, who, if Eric Hosmer and Will Myers can be as good as they were last year and even a little bit in 2019, but really last year. Can they be those guys who are above average? You know, Eric Hosmer, is he going to go back to that every other year? He's just okay. Or is he going to, is this consistent? And with Hosmer, it does look good because the underlying metrics, he finally, finally, he stopped hitting the ball on the ground. Jesus, we've been waiting for that for about five years. Amazing what (laughs) analytics tell you. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, it's and same thing with Myers. I think Myers, it was a comfortability thing where he didn't have to be the guy um, like he was in Tampa, but yeah. I, I, or like when he was, when he first got to San Diego even too, but yeah, I, I think it's those two are going to be huge for them, but let's be honest. This is the, I'm going to go the obvious writer. The X factor is Fernando Tatis Jr. He's the biggest star in baseball right now. And, you know, maybe him, him he's duking it out with maybe a Ronald Acuna or a Juan Soto, but he is the best youngest player the the best young player in baseball right now he's electric and yeah it doesn't look like he's going to be out too long from this injury he sustained over the weekend uh but he's he's the biggest x-factor in baseball not even on his own team in baseball so yeah it's him but also if they get contributions for those two guys i previously mentioned They'll be fantastic. And Paddock too, I think has to be in that conversation as well, because like, I mean, uh, Denelson Lamette has, was really, really good. Darvish, I think is, you know, he's at the spot now where I don't really worry about him as much. Snell is Blake Snell. If Paddock is your four and is starts to tap back into what he was doing as well. That's another one too. It's just like this team, they have such a high floor, but man, if some of their young guys continue to take another step, it's like, goodness gracious they're going to be good like really good so yeah i i'm i'm kind of with you on that i'm i'm kind of with you on that and that bullpen's gonna be really fun too all right another team is probably the rockies um but they got some fun guys and they have some fun storylines about what they could potentially do um and i I know there's been a lot of dysfunction in that front office the cardinals took advantage of that with nolan arenado uh but could other teams take advantage of that with a potential tra- uh, Trevor Story trade? Maybe trying to get a guy like Brendan Rodgers buy low on him or something like that. Yeah. So the X factors for the Rockies are all trade pieces here. You brought up Trevor Story and Brendan Rodgers. Charlie Blackman's another one. John Gray's another one. Um, but I, I think if I you had to put John Gray, by the way, nobody has. It's just that fastball has too much life. You can't. Um, no, but I think if you had to pick one, it would be Kyle Freeland, probably because. He was bad last year. I think he got sent back to AAA last year. and But the year before in 2019, he was great. So if you can get that 2019 Freeland, you'll be able to flip him 
to a team that is so desperate for pitching. And I, I think the Yankees come to mind right away. The Angels come to mind right away. The Cubs come to mind right away. The Cubs saw firsthand what he could do when they lost to him in the wild card game. So if he's good, I think he'll be someone where pitching's at a premium at all times. Uh, so I think if you find a desperate team at the deadline, you could get a decent amount for him. Agreed. Agreed. I That Rockies team, like, Man, if somebody could get a Trevor Story type of deal for what they you paid for Arenado, oh my God, yeah, that probably is, would be less because he's in his walk year. That would be really interesting, and I feel like you know you talk about a culture anywhere is probably an upgrade over Colorado. Right? <laughs> like you can make him really happy. Like if you trade for him, you can make him a lot happier because you you know you're not going to have to deal with that whatever that was right. where your okay. where your uh, general manager basically runs Nolan Arenado out of town and makes him unhappy when Arenado is like one of those like uh, one one of the best players in all of baseball but two one of the greatest personalities in all of baseball too and doesn't yeah. usually get angry at things you know what I mean easily liked yeah all right let's go to the AL West or West and I'm going to start with the Angels and we've tried to avoid some of the like the the easy answers here yeah, they, well, this again, this is like Tatis, one of the biggest X factors in baseball. So it's Otani, it's Shohei yeah. Otani, because when he is cranking bombs and also throwing 96 miles an hour, he is one of the unicorns in all of baseball. He can be one of the best players, pure overall players in all of baseball. And you have Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon on this team. And I like David Fletcher, but if you could add a, an Otani to the mix where he's hitting in that five, six spot and just going nuts and has a breakout year and stays healthy and pitches decently well in, in the limited time that he's on the Hill, you're talking about like, I mean, how much fun would that would be? Like, I feel like that like Mike Trout stock might go up just because everybody wants to stay up late to watch Otani. And then they go, Oh wow. That Mike Trout guy is also really, really good. And the rest of us baseball nerds are like, well, thank you for finally appreciating him for once. You know what I mean? I feel like it, I don't right. want to go the obvious route, but he is. And if I guess I want to go a, a deep cut, it's, it's that Jose Quintana, Alex Cobb kind of mix. Cause they're so desperate sure. for mixing for pitching. And if those two veterans can be the innings eaters and step up and stay healthy, that, that could be a big boon for the, the Dylan Bundy's of the world's and the Andrew uh, Haney's of the world. Yeah. It is Otani because, you know, a unicorn of baseball, if he's, and he's looked really good in the spring, he's really been hitting, good. he's been hitting homers over the batter's eye. He's been, that splitter has looked disgusting in his starts. So, and now, and even his curveball, he's got that get me over curveball even too, as a third offering that has been decent. So I, I really, Otani, when I mentioned earlier that I'm going to be staying up at 11 o'clock to watch an angels game, it's going to be for him. It's going to be every one of his starts. It's going to be when he's in the lineup. Um, it, it's him. And, you know, as he goes, you know, if he could give the angels, if, you know, let's say Dylan Bundy is the real deal. Let's say Dylan Bundy continues to be a number one. All right. Otani is your number two. Then, then, Jose Quintana can be the three Cobb can be the four and then you can fill it in after that. And that really helps your whole team. And in the lineup, of course, obviously too, with Trout and Rendon and Fletcher, you have that, you know, you, you have three, four guys there that you can really count on. And that's more than the angels have been able to say for the last few years. Their top six is decent. When you look at Fletcher, Jared Walsh, sure. Trout, then you have Rendon, Otani, and then probably Justin Upton hitting sixth. That seven eight sure. nine though is a problem. Like Dexter Fowler, Jose Iglesias, and Max Stassi, that is a ground out to second, a strikeout, and a strikeout <laughs> basically almost every time they go up. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, but then they need Joe Adele to figure it out in the minors. I think Joe Adele got put in a bad spot last year in a weird year, and he had all this fanfare. I think he'll figure it out sooner rather than later. But yeah, I mean the Angels—they need a lot of things to break right for them. But if they do, they'll be a fun team. 
They will be. All right, let's go to the Astros. And I'm a big Kyle Tucker fan this year. I feel like he might be one of their biggest X factors because Altuve and Bregman and Brantley and Correa are kind of the dudes. Jordan Alvarez and uh, Gurriel, I'd throw in that mix as well. But I think I think Tucker's a, a big time breakout guy, but that's kind of obvious. I, I'm looking at Framber Valdez or uh, Valdez. He was he was dirty in the playoffs last year, and you start to see that stuff kind of round into form. And then with him, with a little bit of a swagger, and then the the curveball that he's got to go along with that fastball, like especially out of that arm slot that he has, that's a I mean that's a really big piece for them. So I'm going with Valdez as my X factor. Tucker is the easy one. Valdez is the maybe the more important one because I feel like that lineup's going to be good regardless of if Tucker's great or not. The rotation, they really need somebody to step up behind Grinky and McCullers, and I think Valdez can be that guy. Yeah, Valdez, uh, it, the unfortunate thing with him is we don't know when we're going to see him now because he did get that finger injury. And I, I agree with you. I think he could be – because Grinky's not who he used to be. He's not going to be the number one carry rotation anymore. And obviously they're missing Verlander for the entire year. So Valdez, they need him back sooner rather than later. But – I think, you know, while we're waiting for Valdez to get back, I think McCullers is a nice X factor. He just got paid today for five years and $85 million. Uh, But, you know, he has had injury issues. He's been hurt a lot. And, you know, he's shown flashes on his way back. But I think if he can round into form, like when we first saw him, like in 2015 or so, if he could, you know, if that curveball and changeup are working, he could be one, he could be the number one. And I, I think that, you know, you could let Zach Grinky be weird in the background and do whatever he's doing and, you know, be fine on the mound. But yeah, I, I think McCullers, while we're waiting for Valdez to get back, McCullers is a big one for them. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to our fa- one of our favorite teams. I'm not going to say our favorite team, but obviously one of our favorites in the A's. They do, they do like really fun things. I love, I love this team, but they always seem to fall short in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a couple X factors here. One is a hitter and one is a pitcher. I'm going, I, I was a catcher. I kind of, I dig catching Sean Murphy is my X factor here. Cause I freaking love this dude. Like absolutely love everything about his game. He, he handles pitchers really, really well. He's got a cannon of an arm behind the plate. He, I feel like he does a really good job of relating to his pitchers and finding out their strengths and sticking with it, which is really solid. And his in-game adjustments are good. And then as a hitter, he has some boomstick moments where you just go, how far did that dude just hit that baseball? Like, like he is a beast. And you look at this lineup, and it's a little bit old up top with Andrews and, and Lowry, but you you really like Chapman. You really like Matt Olson. Mark Canna was really good. Ramon Lariano had a tough end to the last last season, but he was really good at the beginning of the year. And I think he's going to continue to build into his thing. Stephen Piscotti is Stephen Piscotti, just very solid all the way around. But if Murphy can really give them that pop, and you have a Chapman, Olsa, Canna, Murphy combination that are cranking bombs, that, that team could be really good. And then as a pitcher, it's Sean Mania. That That's the easy one there because I think we both like Frankie Montas. We both like Jesus Lazardo. AJ Puck is coming along and is one of the best prospects in all of baseball. But if Mania gets back on track and continues to be just that workhorse for them that can maybe give them 200 innings this year, probably closer to 180 than 200, that, that can really elevate that ceiling. Yeah, the A's are interesting. Uh, <laughs> see, I, I'm very tempted. I'm very, very tempted to – actually say that their X factor is going to be the front office because they need middle and field help in the worst way, because right now they're going to run Tony Kemp and Elvis Andrews out there. Jed Lowry. Start... Isaac, <laughs> I mean, are we really counting on Jed Lowry to give us anything anymore? Uh, you know, he got paid in New York. Good for him, but 
he played what 17 games for the Mets over the course of that contract. So yeah, you're not helping my case. (laughs) You're, you're helping my case here that they need help. Who's the target though, that you think about and circle. I mean, with the amount of prospects that they have in AJ puck or Jesus Lazardo, I don't think, you know, I don't think Trevor stories out of the question. I don't think even Carlos Correa is out of the question If the Astros struggle. There's going to be options out there. But I mean, on the cheaper end, I mean, you could go, I mean, you could go shopping in the mid range. I got one for you. How about Adam Frazier? That could work. Solid glove. If he hits 270 at the, out of the nine spot, who gives a crap, right? Like he's going to get on base, good speed. Like you probably could get him for super cheap. That might be the one, like if you're looking for A's and cost effective and a guy who's in the lineup a lot, Adam Frazier might be the one and he's going to be very available. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that works out. out. <laughs> Actually, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you could look at, depending on what the Blue Jays are doing and what they do, Kayvon Biggio could be on the chopping block. I mean, you might have to pay more for him, but he's controllable and he's good. So, I mean, that could work. But the A's, yeah, I, I mean, I like what they do. I, I like everything that they put together. I think Mitch Moreland was a solid addition for them as well. Um, but yeah, Murphy's great. I love him. And I, I think a, I, someone I mentioned already, AJ Puck is going to be someone, can he come back from a arm injury? So I, I think he's someone to watch as well. They have three fun lefties in that rotation potentially mm-hmm. that are, could give some teams some problems. Okay. Let's oh, go, yeah. to, let's go to the Mariners. Uh, they have two lefties too atop their rotation, but I'm going with their third lefty, Justice Sheffield as my X factor for them this year. Again, he feels that's kind of a similar one. Like it's maybe is a little bit too obvious, but there were times last year where Sheffield was really putting it together and you start to see like, that's why he was one of the top prospects in baseball. And I, you know, I, I think Marco Gonzalez is at best year two. I think James Paxson can be a two or a three. Sheffield has the, still the upside to be that one. And if they, if he's right and, and, and maybe, right. Maybe he comes in. Maybe he's maybe he's the guy that can be that ace for them long term, and Gonzalez can slide back into that two role, and they can just be deep. Like I don't, I don't expect Seattle to be really good this year, but I hope Justice Sheffield continues to play and pitch really, really well because it's good for baseball to have a guy like him succeed. Sure, and his his journey to Seattle has been super interesting. He started in Cleveland, then uh, he got traded in the Andrew Miller deal uh, to the Yankees him and Clint Frazier were the main headliners in that and then he went to Seattle in the James Paxton deal when everyone for some reason thought James Paxton was like this really really good pitcher I don't know what that was about that's still weird but uh, no Sheffield yeah he was supposed to be the guy and he hasn't really lived up to the billing yet which is unfortunate but I I agree with you I think he could be Um, and I think one x-factor to really watch someone we haven't seen in a while Mitch Hanniger someone who was an all-star, someone who could be flipped or they could decide to keep building around. You know, obviously Seattle has a ton of prospects, Kyle Lewis being a big one, but they have a bunch of decent off-field prospects. Um, but Hanniger, I would love to see him come back and be an all-star again, mm-hmm. uh, just at a personal level too. I, I kind of like that Ty France addition too. He did a yeah. lot of little things too for the Padres. And I I wonder if he's like a fill in the gap. Like he's not a star. He's not going to lead you. You're not going to be a three, four war player, but like, that's a nice little piece. That's a piece that could be interesting. Yeah. Puts it together. I didn't know that Ty France was going to come up in our conversations today. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we have touched on Oakland, Seattle, Houston, and the Angels. So I'm going to go to Texas. Texas. Uh, maybe one of the worst watches in all of baseball because their rotation was horrible last year. And then their lineup was one of the worst all time in baseball of all time. Like, but, but 
but they have your boy and it's Joey Gallo who, yeah. who uh, what are his MVP odds and how much have you bet on them already to win MVP? <laughs> I don't even think he's listed to be honest, but uh, <laughs> no, Joey Gallo, I've been aboard that MVP hype train for a long time. And uh, I, I looked through some of my old tweets. I, the first time I ever tweeted about Joey Gallo being an MVP candidate, 2017. Wow. You were on the <laughs> early, you were on the board early, driving the bus, driving the bus. Okay. Breakout guy here, or maybe not breakout guy, X factor. David Dahl is interesting for me because I really liked what he was, but he's had some injury history. Can he hit away from Coors? Like that, those are all questions and that's probably a flip guy. So I'm not going there. Uh, Dane Dunning is really fascinating to me because I think that there's been little snippets of him that have been really exciting, like really exciting where you go, man, that, that could be something. And, and that's a really interesting piece that they got in that Lance Lynn deal from the White Sox. And then another one that I have, that's a flip one is Mike fulton Like there were, there was a time and it didn't last long, but there was a blip on the radar there where Fulty was good. Like there, and you see his stuff, there's see the stuff there and it's, it's ACE caliber stuff. Like you said a little bit. And so I, I just, I feel like he's maybe their biggest one because if he gets back to doing their thing, that could really help their rebuild where they could flip him at the deadline and try to like, that's the type of guy that they have to take risks on. Those are the type of guys. They just can't make the mistake like they did with Mike Miner, where Mike Miner goes to Texas a couple years ago has a great year and they didn't flip him. They didn't flip yeah. him at all. They just held on to him and he was bad again. And then they ended up having to trade him to Oakland, I think for something small, like a small yeah. package. So tiny. Yeah. It was a little bit like Bitcoin. Like they bought him at, when he was really good price. They kept him really high <laughs> and then they sold him again when they dropped to, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it just, it didn't feel like they managed that well. And I think they could get it right again with Fulty if he has a breakout year and then they're able to flip him. No, I, I would agree with that. But I, I think Gallo's the X factor here for me because, you know, we heard rumblings that they might be shopping him right. over the off season. If he comes out hot, you know, we heard that Tampa was interested. We heard that San Diego was interested. If, if he goes to a contender like that, especially we talked about the Rays have the number one prospect in all of baseball. Their system is very, very good. You're not going to get Wanda Franco in a Joey Gallo trade, but you could get, you know, even the Rays number five, number seven prospect is better than most in baseball. So I think Gallo is a big X factor there because if he's hot and they flip him, he could speed up that rebuild a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even look at the Astros. That would make a ton of sense. I don't know if Texas would do that in-state type of deal, but man, that would be a tough sell. Probably it would be a tough sell, but man, I mean, Brantley's not going to get any older or there's not getting any younger. Like that could be a really, really interesting piece. Okay. We've kind of gone through the whole thing and done our, done our things. Let's touch on our betting guide here. Shall we? Do you want to do that? Oh, let's do it. I feel like we have touched on these teams really good. So ranking them might be a little bit exhausting saying the same things again I mean, it might be a little redundant <laughs> just a tad. and because i mean when you bring up the rangers there's only so much joey gallo talk that you can have i mean i <laughs> i mean how how much more do you have left in your joey gallo tank the limit does not exist so all right uh should we tell on ourselves a little bit so i got married this summer jake was uh, in my uh in my wedding as one of my groomsmen and we had our bachelor party out on the lake. It was socially distanced. We had like five guys there, six guys there out on the lake uh, on this boat. And we did, did, do you want to tell them what we were doing? We were predicting starting lineups on the boat, a, a decent amount of beers in 
Uh, and we kind of were nailing them too. We were kind of actually crushing them. And that's our, that's our relationship. That's our baseball fandom relationship right there. We weren't predicting. We were reciting more. We were literally breaking them out. Who are the starting dome? Yeah. Yeah. Or the, who is the starting lineup for the Rangers go. And I think (laughs) I'm almost positive. You got it for the Rangers. There's not many people outside of Texas. that could probably get that. Yeah, it was, I mean, this was and this was before Andrews got traded and before uh, Shinsu Chu retired. But you know, it's just a you know a little party trick that you yeah, keep no, in the back pocket. Sometimes no <laughs> I don't think I don't think uh, we will only pull that out in front of dudes. How's that? That's yeah, only- that, that makes more sense. Yeah, we can yeah, only. Yeah. All right, let's go to the betting guide. I have two bets. I teased it a little bit already. I really like this Royals over seventy-two number. I really, really like mm-hmm. that number. I feel like this Royals team has added some nice pieces. I really like the Benintendi uh, trade. That's exactly the type of piece that you want to get here. And I view them, like I said a little bit earlier, I view them a very similar amount to the Marlins, where the Marlins just added some solid veterans around a young crew that you really like. Michael A. Taylor is a good glove. You have an outfield now of Benintendi and Merrifield and Taylor in the outfield. That's a trio that can run a lot of baseballs down. That'll help those young pitchers continue to thrive. I, I, I don't think this is a, you know, a team that's going to be 500, but I would not be shocked at all if they're in the 76 to 77 win range. I think Fangraphs projected them for 78 wins. That feels mm-hmm. a little high to me, but I think they could easily at least at least get to 74, 75 here. I, I just don't see them as a team that's finishing 72 and 90 and 80, you know, uh, you know, 18 games under 500. No, I, I'm totally with you. I am on the Royals over wins as well. Like all the all the points you made. I completely agree with, they have the guys they brought in, you know, and, and arguably they're in a better spot than the Marlins because the Marlins had the pitching or, or it's similar at least because the Marlins had the pitching, whereas the Royals have the lineup, I, I think more, but yeah, I, I mean, the Royals have the stars though. I mean, they have uh, Jorge Soler, uh, Mondesi is a budding star and Whit Merrifield is just a very low key star, but he's a star nonetheless in my eyes. So yeah, I'm over. I'm all over that as well. Hunter Dozier too is a beast. And yeah, he, he's coming back too, and and that's a guy that's probably hitting seventh, eighth in that lineup, and he can really crank the power up. He's probably a 25 doubles, 25 homer guy when he's on throughout a full 162 game pace. So yeah, I, I think I think that's one. Uh, do you want me to get my other one, or do you want to go? You got one. Go for it. My other one is Toronto under 87 wins, um, and I like this Toronto team, but again, like. How many times have we seen it where teams dominate the offseason, like the Angels, dominate the offseason, add a big name, add a couple big names, and then don't get it done in the regular season? And 87 feels a little bit tight, a little high. I just don't see this team as a team that's going to get to 90 wins just because I have questions about their pitching. They have a lot of fine pitchers. They don't have a lot of guaranteed. I know what I'm going to get from them every single time they go out there. I like the lineup. I think George Springer's a great addition. I like the addition of Marcus Simeon. He's been really, really good for the A's last few years. So this lineup can, can go, but then you also have to look at their, you have to factor in their schedule. They have to go up against a, a lot and they have to play 19 games against Tampa's pitching staff. Which is, which is already better than yours, right? You have to go up against Boston, who for 19 games, and during those 19 games, that Boston lineup is going to give you some trouble sometimes. Now, you're going to score, and those are going to be some bashes. You're going to have some offensive explosions. That Boston lineup is decent. The Yankees are obviously the Yankees and the favorites. And then that Baltimore team is, is Baltimore. So you get 19 games against them, but the other, four, the other three teams you go up against is decent. And then you look at their crossovers when they go into – 
interleague play, they get the NL East. There's no favors there. You're going up against the Braves, going up against the Mets, going up against the Phillies, and going up against some really solid pitching staffs over there too. So I'm going to go under 87 with with Toronto just just because the pitching, and that's a, a big problem for me. And I don't know if Kirby Yates is going to stay healthy in that bullpen either. There are a lot of concerns about his physical during his time as a, you know as a free agent. The Braves took an offer off the table. The actually the uh, the Jays took less money off the table too uh, for for Kirby Yates in that scenario. And if he goes down, that could be a, a big issue. So I'll I'll take under eighty seven there. I think that's a team that gets to eighty three, eighty four. I just don't see him as an eighty eight, eighty nine win team. You know. No, I think that's completely fair. Until we know what's going on with that rotation and what you're getting, you you have to kind of cap the Blue Jays around that mid-80s as opposed to that high 80s win number. Um, I'm staying in the AL East for mine. 95 and a half is just too high for the Yankees to me. It's similar to the Blue Jays. Who's pitching behind Garrett Cole? Corey Kluber has not looked good this spring. Jamison Tyone has shown flashes. Yeah, that's fine. But after that, Jordan Montgomery – okay, you lost Tanaka. You have, uh, what's his face coming back? Uh, possibly uh, Dominguez. Is that his yeah. last name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dominguez. But he, you know, is he as good as you thought he was in 2019? Who knows? And then Kluber, you might get shelled. And like we just said, this division is going to be good. The Blue Jays are going to be good. The Red Sox will be better. And then you have the Rays, of course. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough sell. For, I don't doubt they could get to 90 i don't even doubt that they could get to 93 but to get to 96 97 mm-hmm. that's a tough ask for to me agreed agreed any others that you really like yeah so uh we talked about them already we talked about the unicorn shohei otani's 30 to 1 for mvp if he's even above average at, at both sides you know he's gonna win it how can he not? And I know going up against Mike Trout, that's never easy. And that's why Mike Trout is the heavy, 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 heavy favorite to win the MVP. But Otani just needs to be a, what, a B, a, a BB plus as a hitter and a pitcher, and he's going to run away with it. So mm-hmm. I think that's really good value uh, there. I don't really see a lot of other good value uh, as far as MVP for anyone's because Trout is as heavy as a favorite as he is for right. a reason. Um, I talked about Stroman for uh, Cy Young. He's 50 to one. I think that's worth a look at 51. And then something I've texted you about Jacob deGrom at 60 to one for, for MVP. And yeah. I've talked to you about this and I've talked to multiple people about this. I know it's hard to bet a pitcher for MVP. Of course it is. And Otani's different because he's also a hitter and he's like no one we've seen before. But deGrom has won two out of the last three Cy Youngs. He's setting records and he's getting better. He's getting better as he ages. His fastball is getting faster. His breaking stuff is getting dirtier. So yeah, you get voter fatigue for Cy Young, but you know eventually they the last time a pitcher won it was 2011, Clayton Kershaw. That was 10 years ago, and that was because he was doing the same thing. You, you, there's only so many times you could give him the MVP or the Cy Young. I think Degrom's on that same path, especially now he'll be on a good team as well, not as far as as opposed to a middling team. He's 60 to one right now. I think that's worth taking a shot. Well, and I think that's a really interesting point too. When you talk about the good team, I think the good team plays a bigger factor into it this year, especially because if you look at that Mets team and you have Lindor, that's good. And you have Pete Alonso. That's good. And that's a team. 
Jeff McNeil, that's really good. If that's a team, Dom uh, Smith was really good at times last year. So like, if you have that team that's, that wins 93, 94, 95 games and DeGrom's the stud of that, I don't like 60 to one, like that's, that's great value. Great value. One, one other over under that kind of caught my eye and I just, I can't give up on them, but Cleveland over 81 seems interesting to me just because that pitching is just going to be so deep. And it feels like in a division where, you know, the Sox are solid are, are, are really good, I think. And the twins are really good too, but you have that Indian team that just constantly finds a way to work some devil magic and win games with that pitching staff. I mean, if Bieber and, and police stay healthy, they might get over that. Like, like over 81 feels like a decent bet. I don't think, I don't think I love it as much as the Royals over or as mm-hmm. much as the Jays under, but that's an interesting one to me for sure. No, I, I think I'm staying away from Cleveland because like you said, they do, they do these weird things where they exceed expectations, but also, you know, if you have an issue with police, again, you have to send her down to triple a to prove a point again, you're going to lose a lot of games there. Or, you know, if Ramirez or Bieber go down, you know, knock on wood that they don't, even as a casual baseball fan, uh, you should be doing that. But, you know, and the thing is, Cleveland lost a lot too. They lost Carlos Santana, who was actually having a good year last year. Uh, you know, they've lost Yasio Puig and they've lost a couple of their outfielders who they really can't afford to lose outfielders. Mm-hmm. Oscar Mercado, what are you going to get out of him? He was a, a highly rated prospect, but he struggled last year. So, it, it, they're just 81 just feels around right to me. I would lean towards the under though. Yeah. The, the, my only reasoning offensively is that Eddie Rosario can step up and give you a little bit more. Brian Mill Reyes has had moments where he's been pretty decent. Uh, it, you need Jose Ramirez to be an MVP candidate again, if you right. want to get over there, Josh Naylor's a guy that I kind of like I've called I, I, he, but he's whatever, uh, you know what I mean? So it just, I just keep going back to that pitching and it's just like Bieber, Plesak, right. Savali, McKenzie, and Cal Quantrill is really solid too. At, we, like we yeah. saw at times with the Padres as well. And then, I mean, your boy, the psychopath in the bullpen. <laughs> so yeah, there, that, I, I, you kind of are talking me out of it. I don't really love it. It just maybe st- jumped off the page. Jake, this was super fun. Long time, it's been a long time since we've talked baseball. I feel like every time we talk, I get way more insightful about this game. And I just enjoy <laughs> talking about somebody who has similar views about the game as me. Thanks so much for hopping on the Post Bulletin Sports Podcast. We'll have to get you another time. Of course, always available.